is the seventh day of April, 2023, and welcome to the Chapter 49 podcast. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a communications volunteer for Chapter 49. I'm a retiree and uh, very happy uh, to join you this week. Uh, I did not have a chance to record last week. I do have an excuse. We helped welcome my new granddaughter into the world in South Dakota, so I was uh, traveling over the last week or so. But it's good to be back home, and it's always good to talk to Duncan Giles. Welcome, Duncan. Thanks, Larry. Good to be here, and uh, congratulations on your granddaughter. Oh, yes, because I think she's beautiful. But uh, then again, I'm a bit biased as the grandfather, I would assume. (laughs) Not exactly objective? No, objectivity is nothing. Uh, has nothing to do with well, my description of my grand or oh, my grandson, who's two and a half, by the way. Good point. So got a chance to see them both, and uh, it's it was just a joy to to be able to be there. And it was interesting because my when my grandson was born, that was during the height of the pandemic. We couldn't see him for like three or four days because we couldn't go to the hospital. Well, we we were able to see the granddaughter like the day she was born or the day after. It was really great to see her right away. Uh, so things have changed for the better in that regard. So we uh, welcome you again. We're sorry we were gone last week. That was my excuse that uh, I was gone and, and unable. I couldn't even take my equipment with me. I was a little busy uh, with family matters while I was out in South Dakota. But uh, let's get uh, let, let's kind of just get get to the the, the business because uh, even though we've gone for two weeks. We're recording this on the seventh of April, but the day before we record this. The Commissioner of Internal Revenue, Danny Werfel, has just been sworn in in recent days, and the man is is uh, getting a running start on his new job. I just want to talk a little about what was revealed on the 6th of April. This has to do with the hiring of 30,000 new IRS employees over the next two years. This is what we've heard about, you know, the 80,000 hire over eight years. Well, we're getting the start now, and it's a it's a running start. So we're talking about hiring 10,000 new IRS employees in the fiscal year that we are in now of 2023, which ends in September of this year. So that's pretty ambitious uh, goal. Then doubling that in 2024, well, there'll be a full fiscal year to, to, to roll this out. Uh, the commissioner, Werfel, um, he made some comments, and I want to just run through those quickly. He and another executive at IRS uh, went through some some uh, some of what's going to be involved in the spending of this this money that's coming into IRS, this extra funding. And this is a quote from Mr. Werfel. He said he wants to unpack complex filing. Now, you, Duncan, and I, you would know we we came out of uh, tax law years ago. And the idea that uh, complex filing has been around really since the 86 law, things really got complicated, and it hasn't simplified much since then. Uh, I think the one thing that uh, surprised me, and I think it's a great goal to have, that within five years, all paper returns that will be submitted to IRS will be digitized. I don't think we can emphasize enough how that will improve the filing process, there'll be no more errors of input. And input's a tough job. Man, I don't know. You've ever been to a service center and watch people do that input, taking these paper returns and just typing in the information. Uh, to know it's, it's a hard job, and, you know, it's easy to make a human error in that. Just, you know, there are going to be some. Uh, the commissioner um, and, and executives talked about 
making enforcement a holistic thing. Now, I don't know what they mean by that, but I'm curious to see how that pans itself out. Got a couple of uh, quotes from the commission. I want to highlight this quote. For more than a decade, the IRS has struggled to keep pace with a rapidly changing world, a growing population of filers, an expanding economy, and an increasingly complex set of tax laws. For the next several years, these sharply reduced staffing levels presented the IRS from providing the level of service taxpayers deserve in every aspect of the operation. And another quote from him, he says what he wants to create is a world-class customer service operation. That's, that's quite a goal. Uh, one other thing, and you can talk more about this because you were involved in this in the last set of labor negotiations, that the IRS has uh, promised they're going to redesign the whole hiring process, the onboarding process, which NTU has helped in that regard. Also, um, Tony Reardon, our national uh, NTU president, was very complimentary of this. Here's his quote. The strategic operating plan released by the IRS proposes to use the new funding to rebuild and modernize the agency by providing the necessary staffing to deliver services to taxpayers, technology to make compliance with the tax laws easier, and expanded enforcement efforts for large corporations and partnerships and for high-wealth individuals with complex returns. As the IRS notes, the employees are its greatest asset, and the plan rightly focuses on the importance of a workforce that has the tools and resources it needs to deliver for the American taxpayers. One last quote from the commissioner, and I think this is an important one. This is an exciting time to be working for the IRS. Our employees are excited by the prospect of having the proper tools and resources to do their jobs, helping taxpayers and the nation. IRS employees, including me being the commissioner, cannot wait to show how the actions under this plan will translate into real improvements for taxpayers. A very, very ambitious set of goals. Of course, there is the funding for it in place. There's a lot to unpack there. But as someone who has been involved, really beginning with the negotiations that you had over the national agreement that helped pave the way for the expedited hiring, and all the other comments you've seen in the hiring and the pipeline for the next two years, really curious to get your take on all this. Yeah, as you said, there is an awful lot to unpack from uh, these statements. First off, I think the uh, commissioner has a leg up because he had been acting commissioner previously, so he understands the IRS a little bit more than someone coming out from coming in from the cold who's never dealt with this. He understands how short-staffed we are, and you know it's it's darn near criminal how starved we have been for staffing up until the last year or so, and it's still not good. But so he understands that. He understands that our technology is not good. We, The people who work for the IRS, and as you well know, since you were both an employee, a union steward, and a manager, we are here to, we want to help the American people. We want to help the taxpayers. We want to do everything we can for them. But because of a shortage of help, because of a shortage of uh, good technology, our hands have been tied in so many different ways and it's just been impossible. And I believe Commissioner Werfel really gets this. He understands it. And that's what he's aiming for. You know, um, uh, NTU National President 
Tony Reardon and national VP Doreen Greenwald have both been, you know, hammering for years that we need to improve uh, the number of people we bring on and the technology. And it looks like we're doing that. As for the onboarding, it's still a very rough process. Uh, talking to people who have been uh, through this in the last couple of years, it's getting better. It's still not near where it needs to go. Uh, we are seeing more, though, direct hire events. Um, the service centers are having more and more of those where people can walk in with a resume and, you know, basically get a tentative offer at that time. We're looking to do that uh, in Indianapolis sometime this summer. Uh, just talked to an executive the other day about this. So, you know, we are making improvements in getting uh, hiring. We hopefully will get improvements over our technology. And, you know, talking about the complex returns and things of that nature, we've got people who know this stuff backwards and forwards. Our, our remaining staff that is here is very knowledgeable, wants to do the right thing, and wants to get in there and do what they need to do uh, to make sure that everybody pays their fair share of taxes. They just need the opportunity to do so and the tools to do it with. Well, the first question I have when I read all this, and you know, I'm a retiree. I've been gone 11 years, although I kind of, you know, use you as my person who keeps me up to date on what's happening with all this. I'm st as again, my background as a mandatory union official and an employee for many years at IRS 28 before I retired 11 years ago is: Do we, the agency, is and I guess I still say we, even though I'm a retiree, but does the agency IRS? have the infrastructure. I've seen they they're, have at least two outside contracts to help with this. I'm wondering, uh, will the service, number one, be able to create that infrastructure internally and in partnership with, with contractors to be able to get this ambitious plan done? Uh, I think that is a great, great point because something I've talked to uh, constantly over the past, 20 plus years that I've been chapter president to executives is, you know, it's great to hire the frontline people, but you've got to have the staff to back it up. The clericals, the IT staff, everybody that can work together so we can support this and let everybody do that. So I'm, I'm fairly sure that uh, Commissioner Werfel has been advised of this. I can make darn sure that uh, President Reardon and Vice President Greenwald have talked to him about this and made sure he understands that he needs to do this uh, as a total, looking at this as a total entity instead of just the frontline folks. Well, you and I have had Tony Reardon on this program. You know him much better than I do. Um, but it seems to me for him to be effusive about this, to be supportive of this, means he feels the service is going in the right direction. And that's good news for all of us. I think all of us who have been around uh, local leaders and national leaders all think that this is a good thing. You're hiring more people. You're hiring people for the right jobs. They're hiring people for customer service concentration this year. They're hiring, you know, they want to hire 20,000 more next year, next fiscal year for enforcement. So that's, and for those out there who want to say, oh, it's the gun-toting people. No, it's not. It's the people who are going out and doing audits. It's the people who are doing in-house audits. It's the people who are going out and collecting the taxes that are due. Those are the enforcement people we're talking about that have been, you know, greatly reduced over the years that we need to beef up again. 
and again, support them with the proper infrastructure, but we absolutely need to do that hiring. We've seen it in spots, but it needs to be more widespread across the country. Now, I know we have uh, viewers and listeners throughout the country and other places, so I'm going to be a bit parochial for a moment. When will you know how many new hires, both in terms of customer service, tax persistence centers, call centers, enforcement, the uh, people doing collection and audit work, uh, when do you think you'll know? Because, you know, these hirings are going to be, this first 10,000 will be between now and the end of September. That's a pretty short timeline. When do you think you'll know, and, and when will other people throughout the country uh, know how many hires are going to be happening in certain geographic areas? I would think they're going to see some solid numbers uh, probably in the next month or so, because I know that they are concentrating on getting these folks. They're gearing up to get these folks on, um, you know, start the process of getting them on by the summer so they can be completed by the end of the fiscal year. So we should get some pretty solid numbers. I'm sure it's been discussed with national NTU at this point, and we'll get down to um, more local leaders like myself sooner rather than later. But yeah, they're, it's they're going to have to do this pretty quickly for this fiscal year and then have the plan for next fiscal year of where they're going to be looking to beef up the enforcement folks. And again, I understand that, um, you know, there are certain areas of the country that are more high risk, have more high risk cases, what they call than others. But I'm telling you, they need enforcement across the entire country just because of the fact that, you know, in Indiana, we are woefully underserved with a lack of revenue agents, lack of uh, tax compliance officers, lack of revenue officers to be able to do the job to make sure that we're doing right by the majority of the American people. And if you look at the polls that are done out there, the American people want us to make sure that this is done right. So they're all for this type of hiring as long as it's done correctly and fairly. And as an agency, I, and I'm, we're spending almost half the podcast talking about this, but this is a huge, huge issue, a huge development. So this is why we're spending so much time on it. And I think my last comment, and I would like for your take on this, I do think this is, you know, the IRS has been the focus of, of national attention for a variety of reasons, often negative, sadly. And we are the, the punching bag for people politically, whether it's fair or not. Sometimes it's fair that we're criticized. Sometimes it's not. But this is an important moment, and I know Commissioner Werfel is aware of this. I hope our executives, our NONTU, understands this. We are now under the microscope of the entire nation. The agency of IRS has to do this right, correct? You are so right. We, ha the, you know, we can't screw this up. Absolutely can't screw it up. You know, we've had so many false starts. Well. You know, we've got this new vision. We've got this new plan. You know, we've been here. You've been hearing it when you were here. I've been hearing it for 20 plus years when I was here. Different visions, different things of that nature. But this time we've got the funding to do this. We've got the funding to do it right. They're standing up different offices to try and make sure this is done correctly. And we need to make sure that it's done equitably across the country to make sure that it's just done right for not just employees, but for the American taxpayers. That's who we're here to serve. That's who we're here to help. That's who wants us to do the right thing. And we've got an opportunity to do right by them, by improving the technology, to make it easier for them to file, find out what's going on with their account, whether they owe getting a refund, whatever it is. 
making sure that people who are skirting the tax laws are held to the legal standard, and to make sure that employees are given the tools that they need to help these taxpayers, whether it's education, enforcement, um, you know, taxpayer service, whatever the case may be, we need to make sure that we get this all right. All right. Uh, so that's what we know now. And I would suspect that we'll be talking about this in the weeks and months to come. So there'll be much more. But we wanted to let you know what we know now, which is an, an amazing, uh, exciting and, and uh, a, a big test for the agency and its employees. We really need to get this right, as Duncan mentioned. And uh, we will continue to talk about this. There'll be much more coming in, in the weeks and, and months to come. Let's move on to another subject. Every now and then, Duncan, you and I talk about something and that's, how should I put it? We'll, we'll use a term that uh, some people watching and listening will know exactly what it is. The rest of our audience will have no idea what we're talking about. The word is micro-captive. It's a particular program. NTEU got involved and I think solved a very serious problem. So, Duncan, tell us what micro-captive is and how NTEU was involved in, in solving a very serious problem. Yeah, this was uh, what's called micro-captive insurance, and it's a certain way that uh, folks like to shield their income. Um, this work had always been done uh, by large business. Uh, you know, I had officials try and tell me when I started investigating this because I would get uh, some things from employees going, hey, I got drafted into this. This has always been large casework. Why am I being forced to do this? I'm not. I'm told I can't do anything else. What do I have to do? Why am I doing this? So I talked to executives and they're like, oh, no, you know, small business self-employed has been dealing with us for years. Um, no. On a whole, no, they had. So I contacted, you know, once I got the information from my employees, contacted National NTU, Anna Gannott, who's one of our uh, long-term national negotiators, who's an absolutely fantastic uh, person that knowing what's going on in SBSE, um, listened to me, uh, listened to my, saw my emails over several period, asked great questions, and then started asking questions of herself, of her contacts. And she didn't like the answer she was getting, started talking to employees. We filed a national grievance a couple of years ago when this first started, because we thought that things weren't right, that should have been negotiated, it shouldn't have just been rolled over onto these folks who were doing this and went all the way to arbitration. And now we've come up with a settlement. And I think the settlement's very good for the employees who've been in this micro-captive program, um, basically against their will. They didn't have a choice. And they're going to be getting some, uh, some relief from doing this and also some options if they'd been denied jobs. So it's just a perfect example to me of employees coming to their local chapter, because I know there are other chapters out there that uh, brought this to national's attention, but they come to people like me. I listen to them, see what's going on, ask my own questions, forward something up to national NTU. They start taking a look at it, making sure that, okay, this is something that's not being done correctly. Let's fix it. Give them the opportunity to fix it the easy way. They didn't want to do it the easy way. So file a national grievance, go to arbitration, and get it corrected. So it's the perfect example of, you know, because people say, well, NTU only helps people that are in trouble or have bad appraisals or things like that. That is absolutely incorrect. We want to make sure things are done the right way. And this, to me, is just a great example of 
from the ground up how it worked. Yeah, and it's something you have a very complex kind of tax avoidance scheme with these uh, microcaptive insurance, uh, you know, programs that people put together. And you want to make sure you have people who know how to dissect it and audit it. And when you say people were drafted and they don't really know what the issue is, that's a big concern. But here's another thing I just want to add for people. When you have a, a grievance that's filed and it's not settled in that process, the union has uh, an option as to whether to go to arbitration. Now, when you go to arbitration, it's almost like a trial. You you, you find what the most impartial arbitrator you can find. You, you, you exchange lists and you strike people. You try to get uh, an arbitrator who will give a fair ruling. And you have something called a tr- – really, it's very much like a trial. People get up and they, they, they're sworn in and questioned by both sets of attorneys, agency and union. And this was a case, Duncan, I believe, and tell me if I'm wrong, and when I was reading up on this, uh, this is a case where the arbitration trial was going on. And as I understand it, the agency didn't think that the arbitration uh, hearing, this trial-like uh, setting, was going their way. And I think they were at that point open to a settlement where you didn't have to go to the arbitrator for a final decision. Is that an accurate uh, idea of what happened? That, that's Yeah, that's basically what happened. Sometimes these go where um, the agency will sit there and be at a local arbitration or a national one. They'll take a look and go, you know, we've got some uh, possible liability here. Let's see if we can fix this before an arbitrator imposes a decision that we would really not like, and let's see if we can do something uh, to address the points that the union has brought up. So it's one of those things, sometimes they see the light in these types of issues. Sometimes they don't, and it goes to a decision, but uh, in this case, I was happy to hear that they did uh, do a settlement that worked for everybody, worked for the agency, worked for NTU, and I think it'll work out well, as could be expected for employees who were forced to do uh, type of work that they didn't volunteer for or didn't really want and didn't really have the proper training for for quite a while. Um, I think it's going to be a fair uh, shake for everybody. Okay. And the other thing about that, and this is the interesting part, is that both sides know that if an arbitrator comes down with a ruling, that sets a legal precedent. If you have a uh, settlement outside the process, it's it's not a precedent. And so that's an incentive for either side to settle, Correct. <laughs> It certainly is, because there have been times where arbitrators have come down with stuff, and both sides, both the agency and NTU, uh, depending upon the decision, have looked at it and gone, okay, that has no bearing in logic or in law, but apparently now it's a precedent, so we're going to have to deal with it until we can get that overturned. Let me talk about uh, something else. This is a lot of people, I think, who listen and watch uh, our podcast are people who are looking to retire. A number of them are. Uh, the Office of Personnel Management is the final processor of, of any retirement package. We know they've been way behind. Uh, first of all, the, we understand the backlog has dropped in the first quarter of calendar year 2023. It's down to 23,000, if you think that's good news. But it is down, <laughs> but it's still 23,000 at a lower figure. But also, uh, OPM went before Congress, and Congress uh, showed them no mercy because OPM doesn't really seem to be, how should I put this, anxious to enter the modern world. They are still 
in Boris, Pennsylvania, where, there, uh, where they uh, process these retirement applications, and they're still doing them on paper. And it doesn't seem OPM is anxious to enter the electronic world. Uh, what do we know about this? Yeah, it's it's frustrating um, because I've talked to uh, quite a few folks who've retired over the last couple of years, and the time frames where they have to wait has been just incredible to get their uh, interim, not just their regular um, annuity check, but their interim that should be coming fairly quick can take a long period of time. And again, as you said, it's because it's so paper intensive. Um, you know, IRS, uh, you know, every agency and NTU and the other uh, unions that represent federal employees have been really pushing OPM as well to start going digital with some of this to try and speed this up. We want to make sure that they are doing it right, but we believe that there are faster ways than doing it on paper if they can do it electronically. So, you know, when they were in front of Congress, I think that they were told um, by both sides of the aisle to get their act together and start getting this done. You know, because it gets people, you know, when people are retiring, and I can't tell you the number of people I've told this the last couple of years, is plan not to get, you know, your money for quite a while. You know, if you get it sooner, great, but it's it's going to be a lengthy process and you're not going to get anything quickly done. So make sure you have a reserve there to hold you over until they fix it. Yeah, it is sad that when you retire, you have to warn people to put your finances in a certain shape where you can sustain yourself until OPM finally gets to work and even gives you to, to, you know, I got my interim check about 11 years ago pretty quickly. And I took several months to process uh, the, uh, the, the funnel package. I understood that I was prepared for that, but the idea that you have to warn people to be financially secure enough that to be able to not have your retirement for months or your full retirement for months after that is a sad, sad commentary, but it's good that, uh, you know, Congress and it's not a, it's a bipartisan issue, not partisan at all, that OPM needs to get into the modern world. One last thing, Duncan, uh, if you work for IRS, uh, certain deadline's coming up, and you'd better be aware of it. Yeah, this is one of the uh, things that IRS employees are held to a different standard. Please, 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 please make sure that your taxes are filed, and if you owe, that they're paid by April 18th. Because we see this every year. People don't file on time. They don't pay on time or don't get into a payment arrangement. And there are going to be consequences to your employment if you don't do that. So we just want to make sure that everybody file it. At the very least, file on time, pay what you can, set up a payment arrangement, and make sure that you have that started. Then if there are any repercussions down the line, you, you at least have that. And that helps a great, great deal. So make sure you file on time, which this year is the uh, Tuesday, the 18th. And then, you know, pay what you can. Hopefully pay it all off uh, by the due date. Okay, we have time for a quick final comment. I just want to, you know, whether you're celebrating Ramadan, Passover, Easter, I just hope everybody out there, uh, as we record this on Good Friday, you know, has a wonderful holiday. If you're seeing this after, you know, the holidays that you had a good holiday, you know, be with family and friends, enjoy, uh, enjoy each other, take the time off. Remember, you know, as I often say, you know, this is not life. This is work. 
yeah, your time away from here is your life. So spend it with those you love and, uh, you know, enjoy the holidays and celebrate however you'd like. It's interesting. My daughter works with the state of Indiana, and uh, this has been true for a number of years. You know, we at IRS and working in customer service often have to suggest people go to a state agency for all or part of their questions. State of Indiana for years has given all their employees or state employees a good Friday off, which is kind of unusual, but uh, that is uh, the case in Indiana. It's it's a religious holiday, but again, whatever religion you may subscribe to, whatever you, however you worship, uh, please uh, uh, take the time to do what you need to do and, and honor that. And if you, you know, uh, uh, I guess Duncan is correct. I'll just emphasize what he had to say, you know. Uh, it's a special time of year for most of the great religions around this time of year. So just uh, just enjoy it because it's an important time of year. I want to say one last thing. As a new grandfather again, I don't know, maybe it's spring. I just enjoy the spring season. Spring has always been one of my favorite times of the year. And I just uh, returned from South Dakota. And let's just say spring has not arrived in South Dakota yet. Not only is it colder up there in general this time of year, uh, it was below normal when I was up there, and it was cold for a long time. And at least in central Indiana, we're going to have some slowly warming temperatures at the time we record this. So spring is definitely here in April in Indiana, and it's good to see it wherever you may be watching or listening. We hope the spring season is is good for you. It's, it's a great time of year. This is the Chapter 49 podcast. We thank you for watching and listening. Duncan and I, once again, although we missed last week, and because I can, it's my fault there for family reasons, we do our best to, to try to keep this a weekly podcast and to try to stay up to date with news that may be of interest to you as a, where it ties either as a retiree or an employee of the Internal Revenue Service. And uh, NTEU Chapter 49 represents most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. We thank Duncan Giles. We thank you. Please be safe and be kind.